Welcome to the next episode of Dangerous Games. We are super excited to have you here. It is a long episode. So I am here with Sarah. My just, I am so lucky every single day that I get to talk to her. And you guys are lucky for the once a week that you get graced with her beautiful face and her brilliant presence. Blow more smoke. Blow more smoke. It's the truth. I I speak only the truth. And if you follow this podcast, you know that I only tell the truth. So today is a Courtney episode and it is a long one. And I'm apologizing in advance, but there's so much that happened with this. And the two people that are involved are both incredibly famous in their own right, that there's so much about them. And I didn't want to focus more on the murderer and less on the victim. So it's like 50-50. There's so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, I'm sure that everybody has heard of this man and this woman. They are famous South Africans. Um, uh, he is an Olympian known as the Blade Runner. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys have heard of him. Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius is our murderer this week. He was born November 24 or 22nd, 1986 in South Africa. He was the second born of three children to Hank and Sheila Pistorius. Oscar was a middle child. He had an older brother named Carl and a younger sister named Amy. Hank was a very successful man um, owing to his, his family's agricultural lime company. So they had a mine basically and they Sounds mined like lime and zinc. But it was generational, so That's they awesome. were they did well for themselves. Um, Oscar grew up solidly middle class, upper middle class, I would say. But by most accounts, it was not a happy home. Um, Hank was described as a former party animal. Obviously, he was a you know a rich kid. Grew up with like not a lot of he didn't have to work for what he had, so he was a party animal with a taste for younger women. And he divorced Oscar's mother when Oscar was just six years old and was, by all accounts, an absentee father. He was not involved. And that comes up later in his life as an adult, too. Um, Oscar was born with a rare condition called fibular hemimelia or longitudinal, longitudinal fibular deficiency. And it is the congenital absence of the fibula and is one of the most co- common congenital absence of long bone in the extremities. Oscar was born without a fibula in both of his legs. Like neither of his legs had a fibula. Um, so the doctors told his parents that he would probably never be able to walk. And at 11 months old, his parents made the very difficult decision to have his legs amputated below the knees. So he, um, because so he's a special Olympic Olympian. You would think so, but he's not. This, and that's also very contentious. So, um, <laughs> his whole life was kind of contentious. Throwing it out there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Oscar ended up beating the odds, and he learned to walk on fiberglass pegs as a child when it was clear Oscar wasn't going to let his condition prevent him from doing whatever he wanted his mother encouraged him to participate in various sports Oscar would say that his mother was one of the greatest influences in his life he adored her 
So it was a devastating blow to him when she died at the age of 42, when Oscar was just 15 years old. That's young. She suffered an adverse reaction to medication after being wrongly diagnosed with hepatitis. So they gave her medicine and it, it killed her. Um, when he wrote his autobiography, he started with a note she had written to him as a baby before his amputation surgery. So she wrote this note to him before he went into surgery that he would be able to read someday when he was older. And it said, the real loser is never the person who crosses the finish line last. The real loser is the person who sits on the side, the person who does not even try to compete. I feel like and that's a quote, like, yeah. nowadays. He, um... He really lived his life by this That's awesome. because Oscar did try to compete. He helped play or he played water polo, rugby, wow. and he wrestled until he was injured in a rugby game in 2003. He hurt his knee. He would not be deterred, though. He started training with uh, the track team to, re to rehabilitate his knee. So he hurt his knee in rugby and then he started running track to try and rehabilitate his knee. And he just immediately took to it. He was an incredible runner. Wow. He started training with coach Ampie Lou. And was fitted with his first running blades, which would mm -hmm. be famous. You would recognize the, the yep. long blades that he would run with. The first set that he got were not as strong as he needed them to be because they just couldn't withstand the work that he was putting in. Mm -hmm. And he was referred to fellow Paralympian and engineer Brian Frazier, who helped him with a pair that worked for him. So... These were designed by an engineer who was a Paralympian who also awesome. designed these blades, which is in insanely cool. Mm -hmm. um, everything about this story is so insanely tragic because he like defied all of these odds and then just destroyed his whole life. These blades created the, his first nickname, the Blade Runner, that like you would see in all of the all of the papers and everything on TV when he was running. I remember this. I was like. 20 uh, 19 when all of this was going on in 2003 so he would also be called the fastest man on no legs pistorius won the 200 meter event at the 2004 paralympic games in athens and claimed a bronze medal in the 100 meter oscar would often say you're not disabled by the disabilities you have you are able by the abilities you have Oscar began his education in 2006. He was studying for a Bachelor of Commerce in Business Management with Sports Science at the University of Pretoria. All of his training was getting in the way of his education, however, and he would joke that he hoped to finish his degree by the time he was 30. <laughs> I guess he had a plan. So by 2007, Vesorius raced at an elite invitational com competition in Rome. So this was invitation only. Wow. Um, Oscar was the only amputee in the race. His performance in his performance in that race sparked a huge debate about whether or not his prosthetic blades gave him an unfair advantage against his able-bodied competition. So here he is, a double amputee running on these blades, and people were like very upset because they said that he had an advantage by having. I don't think he does. Yes. Um, eventually he was cleared to compete by the court of arbitration for sport though. Good. Um, but it is still considered a controversial decision because he went through a full litany of tests and some of the tests indicated that he actually exerted less energy than his competition. Gotcha. So, I see what you're saying. Yeah. He would go on to compete in the 2000, 
eight later that summer, um, and Pistorius won three gold medals at the Beijing Paralympics in the T43 and T44 uh, class 100 meter, 200 meter, and 400 meters. And he also set a world record in his class. The T43 uh, class is for runners with only one amputation. So mm. he was running against people who had one leg and leg. then one prosthetic. And then the other one was the T44 is for runners with both of their legs amputated. Gotcha. So that was the one that he actually set the record in. Wow. Um, in 2009, Oscar was 22 years old, and while boating with a friend on the Vale River near John Johannesburg, uh, the vessel apparently hit something. Mm. Paramedics uh, stabilized him at the scene before airlifting him to the hospital. Pastorius had surgery the following day and was in stable condition, in the in but in the intensive care unit for days. He was in a coma. Wow. Um, he, his eye socket was, his eye was detached from his eye socket and he had to have reconstructive surgery. He was released though in about a week. So that's crazy. The accident set him back in 2010, but he rebounded quickly. This is important later on. So just remember that he had this terrible accident Okay. because after this accident would be the first time Oscar would be arrested. He was accused of assaulting a 19 year old woman at a party at his house he vehemently denied the charges, but would later settle out of court. Mm. In 2011, he would win a gold in the 100 meter and 400 meter at the Paralympic World Cup before qualifying for the world champions. Um, although he was not a member of the actual relay race that won that final, his participation in the heats that qualified for the race for the 4x4 100 meter relay earned him a world championship silver medal. So because wow. he was in the heats that qualified for the race, even though he didn't actually run the race, he got a silver medal as well. That's crazy. He was the 22nd fastest 400-meter runner in the world in 2011. 22nd wow. fastest. Although his times did not qualify him for the South American or South African Olympic team in 2012. So he was not, he did not get qualified. Pistorius was selected to race the individual 400 meters and the 4 by 4 meter relay. When he ran the former event in the London Games, he became the first amputee to compete in the track at the Olympics. So these were the regular Olympics, not regular, but like wow. the, not, not the, the Paralympics. Yes. Um, although he reached the semifinal, Pistorius failed to advance to the medal round in the 4 by 4 relay. His team made the finals, but they did not medal. So it doesn't matter. This man was a... That's so he, crazy. He ran as a double amputee in the Olympics in 2012. That is incredible, that in is my opinion. crazy. So he has all of this going for him, right? Now I'm going to move on to Riva. She was the victim in this case, and I think it's mm -hmm. equally, if not so much more important that we talk about her. Riva Steenkamp was born August 19, 1983, in Cape Town, South Africa, to Barry Steenkamp, a horse trainer, and his second wife, June. She had two older siblings, Adam and Simone. Riva was a smart and beautiful child who did very well in school. She was passionate. Uh, she was a passionate equestrian. When she was 15 years old, she entered a local beauty pageant and caught the eye of Barbara Robertson. <laughs> who was a beauty editor. In 2004, she ended up being one of the finalists in the weekend post faces of the future competition. So she won an award. Um, 
One year later, she was a finalist in the Harold Miss Port Elizabeth contest. She moved to Johannesburg to pursue her career in the fashion industry. She modeled for a jewelry company called Savannah Diamonds uh, and for FHM magazine. She was twice named as one of the 100 sexiest women in the world by that magazine. She was ranked number 40 in 2011 and number 45 in 2012. That's pretty awesome. That's crazy. Number like twice top 100 most beautiful people in the world. And also became the first South African face of Avon Cosmetics. Uh, through her teens and early 20s, Riva's career was booming. She was one of South Africa's most sought-after models, and by the early 2000s, she appeared in advertisements of several international brands besides Avon, including Toyota, KFC, Cardinal, and Tiger Beer. As if all of that wasn't impressive enough, she enrolled in law courses at the University of Port Elizabeth. Wow. You're going to love this because... This is like right up your alley. In 2005, she graduated the top of her class with a Bachelor of Laws degree and would do paralegal work while modeling. Going as far as to apply for the bar in 2011, hoping to qualify as a legal advocate by the age of 30. Wow. All of this is made even more impressive when you know that in 2005, she had fallen from her horse and crushed two vertebrae in her back so badly, she ended up in traction and no one knew if she would be able to walk again. Wow. So it was her last year of university. They, she didn't know if she was going to be able to graduate. She didn't know if she was going to be able to walk. And she, you know, you would think a lot, that would like destroy a lot of people. But walk, she did. Reva mm-hmm. was a fighter. And one of her friends uh, say, said, she was more than just a pretty face. She had a beautiful heart and ambition. It seems that while Riva was absolutely crushing her professional life and rebuilding herself after her accident and graduating top of her class, even though she missed a ton of school because of her injury. Her injury, yeah. um, As you see with so many successful women, she struggled to find a partner who could keep up with her and appreciate her. Before moving to Johannesburg, she had been involved with an allegedly emotionally abusive boyfriend with whom she uh, eventually ended the relationship, but it really affected her for a long time. Her friends talk about that being a dark time for her, and when she left him and moved to Johannesburg, she had made a plan to eventually open a shelter for abused women and children. And she often gave speeches to young girls about domestic abuse awareness. Like, it was really important to her. And then for a while, she did date another man uh, named, he was a rugby player named Francois Hugard, but that did not last very long. Enter Oscar Pistorius. (laughs) You're going to be shocked by how short the relationship was. Mm. Because I guess I didn't realize it when all of this was happening, that they, how short of a time that they knew each other before this happened. So on November 4th of 2012. So. That's really important. November of 2012, end of the year 2012, Reva Steenkamp was invited to a track, a track day at, I'm going to say this wrong, Kailami Racetrack. And it was there she met Paralympian Oscar Pistorius. They appeared to take to each other immediately. Oscar had forgotten that he had RSVP'd to the South African Sports Awards ceremony that same evening because he'd spent the whole day talking to Reva. And on a whim, he invited her. And to his surprise, she accepted. 
Hmm. Like, you want to come to this ball with me? And she's like, I guess. And they had just met that day. Um, from the outside, they appeared to be a beautiful and inspiring couple. Andre Neveling, the editor of South African Celebrity Magazine, Heat, said they look so much in love. And everybody was going on and on about what a great couple they made. Everybody thought this is the real deal. They were mm-hmm. like the most beautiful couple. They were, he was this amazing figure, a hero to South Africa. She was this stunning celebrity, sought after model. They really were a dynamic, perfect couple. And the entire country was just so proud of them. They were like, this is it. You know, this is like, this is the couple of South Africa. Right. Um, But but with as almost everything, looks are deceiving. Reva's mother would later say she felt the relationship was fizzling out. Reva told her friends that while they had spent nights together, she'd actually not slept with Oscar because she wouldn't take a relationship to the next level without being certain. Oscar himself had told people he felt she was he was more keen on her than she was on him. Eva's <clears throat> mother would also tell the court that she didn't think the relationship was making either of them happy. Hmm. It was almost like it had to feel like pressure, you know, like you get into this relationship with like right. he's the golden boy and she's the golden girl. And it's almost like the pressure to make it work. Yeah. Even if it wasn't working. I, I feel like maybe that um, makes sense. And it shouldn't be that hard be in, in nope. how short of a relationship that they had. So on the morning of February 13th, 2013, a mere three months after meeting, Osc- uh, after meeting Oscar, Riva, who is a fervent defender of women, posted on Twitter to urge her followers to wear black the day after Valentine's Day and protest against violence against women. She also posted on her Instagram that day, I woke up in a happy, safe home this morning. Not everyone did. This would be tragic foreshadowing for the next 24 hours because the beautiful, smart, enigmatic, and ambitious Riva Steenkamp would not wake up safe in her bed on February 14th. Riva was supposed to give a speech on Valentine's Day before the students of Sandow High School in Johannesburg, South Africa, about domestic abuse. On the 13th, she went to her manager's office to go over the speech and then wrapped up her Valentine's gift for Oscar, even making another tweet asking her followers what they had up their sleeve for their loved ones on that special day. Mm. She deposited $100 into her parents' account, and one of Reva's final messages was sent to Cecil and Desi Myers, whom she lived with in Johannesburg. These were her roommates. Around 10 p.m. on February 13th, it read, Hi, guys. I'm too tired. It's too far of a drive. I'm going to sleep at Oscars tonight. See you tomorrow. Cecil and Desi did see Reva the next day, but it was for the horrific and heartbreaking task of identifying her body because in the early morning of February 13th or 14th, 2013, Reva Steenkamp was shot and killed by Oscar Pistorius at his Pretoria home. Oscar called authorities, and when they arrived, they found the Olympian sitting on the floor of the bathroom with Steen Camp covered in her blood. He admitted shooting her four times, but claimed he was terrified and thought she was an intruder. Mm. Oscar was immediately arrested and charged with murder on the 15th. It took five more days for Nike to suspend their deal with him. Two days after Nike releases him, he leaves jail after posting a cash bond of 100,000 rand. Rand is South African money. It's about uh, 11,000 American dollars. 
and then another 900,000 rand, about $100,000 is due, was due by March 1st. So he paid, he had to pay like 10% and then another amount to get, you know. The conditions of Pistorius's bail are that he, he must avoid his home where the shooting occurred, relinquish his passport and abstain from drinking alcohol. In a wild decision, just one month later, Judge Bert Baum lifts the travel ban on Pistorius, saying he sees no reason, no reason, mm. that Pistorius should not be allowed to travel for competition. The ban on drinking and alcohol and avoiding his home where the shooting occurred, the literal crime scene, were also lifted. They're like, yeah. What? Yeah. This, you're going to be infuriated about this. Um, then on August 19th, six months after the shooting death of Steenkamp, Oscar Pistorius is officially finally indicted. Six months. And this time he's allowed to travel, to basically do what he wanted to do. Pistorius's murder trial began on the 3rd of March, 2014, in the Pretoria High Court. On May 20th, 2014, the trial proceedings were adjourned until the until June to enable Pistorius to undergo a psychiatric evaluation to establish whether he could be held criminally responsible for shooting Steenkamp. Judge Thokaisel Mazapa agreed to a request for the evaluation by the prosecutor, Jerry Nell, after a forensic uh, psychiatrist, Meryl Vorster, testified for the defense that she had diagnosed Pistorius with generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD. On the 30th of June, the trial resumed after the evaluation reports that said Pistorius could be held, he could be held criminally responsible. That while he had this, he was still able to know right from wrong. The state prosecutor was quoted as saying, Mr. Pistorius did not suffer from a mental illness or defect that would have rendered him criminally, not criminally responsible for the offense charged. Generalized anxiety disorder, I'm just going to kind of quickly explain what that is so you you can see kind of what the defense was going to go for with this is a mental and behavioral disorder, specifically an anxiety disorder characterized by excessive, uncontrollable, and often irrational worry about events or activities. Worry that often interferes with daily functioning and individuals with GAD are often overly concerned about everyday matters such as health, finances, death, family relationships, uh, work difficulties, Symptoms may include excessive worry, restlessness, trouble sleeping, exhaustion, irritability, sweating, and trembling. Mm-hmm. So that has to be like overwhelming to have. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can understand like that being something difficult to deal with. Asper's defense was that workers had left ladders outside of his bathroom window and that he awoken in terror because of his anxiety, thinking about how the fact that the bathroom window did not have intruder bars. So he like convinced himself according to them that someone was going to break in or was in the in the act of breaking in he said i he and this is a quote directly from oscar i felt a sense of terror rushing over me there are no burglar bars across the bathroom window and i knew that contractors who worked at my house had left ladders outside although i did not have my prosthetic legs on i had mobility on my stumps i believe that someone had entered my house i was too scared to switch on the light i grabbed my nine millimeter pistol from underneath my bed On my way to the bathroom, I screamed for him or them to get out of my house and for Reva to phone the police. It was pitch dark in the bedroom, and I thought Reva was in bed. 
According to Oscar, he grabbed a cricket bat and his father's gun that he had been storing for him and screamed to Riva, who he thought was in bed, to call authorities. He then began beating on the door, demanding who was ever in there to get out of his house. He fired shots at the door, and that's when he realized Riva was not in bed and what he had done. Prosecutors described a wildly different version of events. Neighbors had testified to hearing a gunshot, a woman scream, and then more gunshots. Which would completely decimate his different. Yep. Because then it was like, if he shot her once and she screamed, she was alive, he could have stopped. Yep. But he shot three more times. They also pointed for the fact that Reba had locked herself in the bathroom and she had her phone. As if she was running away from him and she had locked Mm -hmm. herself in there. They believe that Reba and Oscar had had a fight and he shot her in anger. They read text messages about the fight a couple the couple had recently where Oscar had accused Riva of flirting with a mutual friend and a damning message where Riva told him, and I quote, I'm scared of you sometimes and how you snap at me. Wow. Yeah. People have also speculated that in addition to Oscar's anxiety, the injuries he sustained to his head from the boating accident could have caused a personality change, mm. making him more impulsive. I remember after he had that boating accident, he did get arrested for allegedly, you know, assaulting a woman. Yep. Um, Oscar and his defense even tried to allude to this during the trial, but it was never really fleshed out. And the prosecution brought out a witness who showed that Pistorius was once again lying on the stand. He claimed he had crashed because the sun was in his eyes, but the witness said that was impossible as it was dusk at the time of the accident (sighs) and there was no sun. The boating accident ultimately had no effect on the trial other than the show that Oscar uh, Oscar had a comfortability with lying. Mm. According to the defense, the sound that the neighbor heard was actually the cricket bat, like, beating on the door. And they did, a, a, like, a test in the court where they hit the door, like, hit a door mm-hmm. with the cricket bat, and then they fired the gun. And it did sound eerily similar. Weird. Um, so, you, so the defense thought that they had made a, a point with that. But Oscar testified that he put on his prosthetics to beat down the door with the bat. But forensics proved that that was untrue and he did not have them on. So he was lying. And if you're in such a fear of like right. all of this is going on, why are you stopping to put your legs on if you have mobility? Exactly. He, won't, he once again lied. Oscar would also throw up during the trial when graphic photos of Reva's damaged skull were shown. And his father would refuse to sign an affidavit claiming that the gun and ammunition that were in his house were not Oscar's weapons, but they belonged to his father, Hank. His father said, nope, not signing that. Um, and and Oscar wasn't like licensed to have these guns. So he actually did end up getting charged with like illegal oh. guns too. Like that was added on. Um Ultimately, Pistorius was found guilty of culpable homicide, which is basically South Africans' version of manslaughter. The South African term for unintentionally but unlawfully killing a person. And the guns made the the gun was like the difference of like because his dad wouldn't sign that waiver saying that it wasn't that it was his gun. So the gun charge is what made it manslaughter otherwise he might not have even gotten in any trouble at this point in the trial um and yet another shocking decision he is sentenced to only five years in prison yeah 
Prosecutors immediately appealed the verdict, and one year later, in June, South Africa's Department of Correctional Services announces a parole board is set to recommend that Pastoris be released from prison after one year and transferred to house arrest in August. So he served, and it was it only ended up being 10 months that he served, and then they were... And someone's dead, but he's going to yeah, get to live his life. Okay. Yeah, and he was only found guilty of manslaughter. So when this was announced, the Steenkamp's parents, the media, and the women's groups exploded. Yeah, I bet. a huge effort to prevent his release, especially since the appeals were uh, still being heard for, like, they were trying to appeal the actual verdict in the first place. Oh, And he had not even served the full one-fifth of his sentence that was required by law for him to even be eligible for parole yet. But by October, Pasirius was released from jail. And sent to live at his uncle's house under house arrest for four years. Yeah. Mm-mm. However, just two months later, a judge overturned the previous conviction of culpable homicide. Judge Eric Leach ruled that the Paralympic gold medalist should have foreseen that his firing a gun would have killed whoever was behind the door in his bathroom, regardless of whether he thought it was Steen Camp or an intruder. Like, what do you think it was? A dog? I know. I don't know. State prosecutors, you shouldn't kill a dog either. What the hell? I'm just saying. (laughs) State prosecutors (laughs) appealed the verdict of culpable homicide, seeking conviction on more severe charges. Um, Yeah. However, once that happened, he was once again granted bail because now they overturned his conviction. So he can have bail and get out of jail. Correct. Um, So he was granted bail and he was allowed to travel for up to 20 kilometers away from his uncle's house. Um, in July of 2016, the same judge that found him guilty of just manslaughter, the same judge is still in charge of this. Um, and this is going to make you so mad. So just seriously prepare yourself for how angry you're going to get. Cause when I read this, I was like, what the, I'm ready. Um, that found him guilty of manslaughter in the first trial found him guilty of murder. So he changed his mind and he was like, okay, this is murder after all. So was the water different today? I don't, it gets worse though. It gets, just wait, it gets even worse than that. So, but he only sentenced him to six years for murder. So note to self, this judge was a hardcore fanboy. Cause wait till you hear what he says. Oh God. Hmm. Oscar's team thought this would be the end, but in 2017, the prosecution appealed the sentence saying it was far too lenient. During Missouri's sentencing for murder, the Mm -hmm. judge... Uh, cited mitigating circumstances for lesser punishment. Saying Pistorius, so this is what the judge said when he said, so the prosecution is once again appealing this because this is not enough of a punishment. Mm -hmm. And then they cited that it was too lenient and then they cited what the judge said during sentencing. He said that there was mitigating circumstances and that he felt that Pistorius was genuinely remorseful and a good candidate for rehabilitation. Yeah, whatever. The minimum sentence for murder, the minimum sentence for murder in South Africa is 15 years, and he only gave him six. But individual judges can lower the sentence if there are substantial and compelling reasons to do so. The judge described Pistorius as a fallen hero. who will never be at peace and sentenced him to six years in prison. So basically boo-hoo, he's this very famous man and his whole life fell apart. So he should only get six years in jail. 
because poor him for killing someone. Martha Stewart. My God. So I read that. I was so mad. That so is the Supreme Court appeals disagreed. They Good. were like, mm, nope. And in 2017, they increased his sentence to 13 years and Good. five months for the murder of his girlfriend, Steen Camp. Oscar continued to try to appeal his sentence, but lost his last appeal in April of 2018. Pistorius was actually eligible. He's actually eligible now for paroling, really eligible this year. Um, he has a trial set on March 31st. Can I go to uh, it? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, you want to go to South Africa. No. So this is crazy too. I'm going to tell you about this, and you're going to be like, "What the fuck?" These, like these people have not been victimized enough with first him not getting, you know, convicted properly, and then the judge basically making him the victim of this. And then South Africa participates in something called restorative justice. Before an offender can be considered for parole placement, he or she must participate in programs aimed at preparing them for crime-free life beyond incarceration. And you think, oh, that sounds great. Because I was like, oh, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. But included in this, the offenders are like they have to acknowledge and take responsibility for their actions. The process is aimed to create like an opportunity for parties to reconcile or um apologize for their actions so pistorius has to in fact meet with the steen camps her parents and have a conversation with them and apologize to them and make amends so in order for him to get parole they have to agree to go to this meeting and like they're pressured to do this because right. this is like part of their just judicial system there so barry her father went and met with him and he called it traumatizing that he I had bet. Been, yeah so as of today, when as we're recording this, he has his trial set for the 31st. So I will like do an update with what happens with that. Um, I feel so bad for her family and her friends That's that they so had to get wrong. dragged through this trial that was just garbage. It was it's a garbage crazy trial. to see how different their judicial system is. I mean, I know it is everywhere's different. But, but, like, it wasn't necessarily just even it, – it was just in another case of, like, a rich yep. guy, a rich white athletic guy getting, like, preferential treatment over a woman that he murdered. Or If it was somebody who was poor, they would be doing – Or not a famous athlete or yep. a national treasure. Like, yep. the fact that he killed her and the judge was like, oh, he feels really bad about it. Like that's great. He's real sorry, guys. I bet everybody feels bad about it. I mean, he's, he's so sorry. He's a piece of shit. He killed her. He should be in jail. He should be in jail for more than thirteen years. But at least he got that. And good on their like uh, Supreme Court for taking care Hell of that. Yeah. Because what the f honestly, I I I couldn't. Yeah. Mm -mm. So enough about him. He's a piece of garbage. I would like to talk about. Uh, Reva's mom for a minute. June Steenkamp, Reva's mother, has taken over the baton from Reva to continue the work that she had started. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about what Reva's family is doing to honor her life. Um, had she lived, she was supposed to deliver that speech on Valentine's Day to the group of teenagers, urging them not to give in to emotional abuse. So on October 21st, 2015, June returned to her daughter's high school in Port Elizabeth, where she actually went to high school. And uh, she recited the same speech that Reva had planned. Yeah. Reading from Reva's note, she said, I hope that you all had an amazing Valentine's Day and that you were spoiled with love and roses and chocolate. 
Go home and tell your parents, your siblings, and your neighbors that they are appreciated and that you will go to bed with a happy heart and an open mind for the future. So that was part of the speech that Reva was going to give on Valentine's Day, and her mom gave the speech at her at her high school mm. where Reva had graduated. One month later, in November of 2015, June registered the Reva Rebecca Steenkamp Foundation. June is trying to raise awareness of the horrific statistics of violence and abuse against women and children, not only in South Africa, but around the world by using her voice to educate and speak against the abuse of women and children as Reva had done. And I will link this charity in the show notes. If you guys want to go check that out, they do a lot of really great stuff. So that is the absolutely horrific and sad and tragic murder of Reva Steenkamp. Just infuriates you when that, that whole trial was just absolute garbage. That there's judge. no justice for her. Yeah, they got some. They got some at the end of the day, but they had, like you said, they had to go through and relive this multiple over over, times over, over. because they couldn't get it right the first time. No, they could have. They chose not to get it yeah. right the first time. Well, first they get the you know manslaughter. And he gets a year in jail and then four years on, you know, house arrest. And then they, you know, they overturn that and they're like, oh, thank God. And he gets, you know, found guilty of murder, which he should have. But then yeah. he only gets six years and the judge has the balls to be like, well, he feels sorry. But he feels, he you know, everybody hero. feels sorry His when they get life caught. Is ruined. She's that dead. Nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Everybody it's feels less, sorry. Less when than caught. nothing. His life is ruined. She's dead. Yeah. So I what? saw a picture of him in jail. He got all fat and he grew his hair out. I'm like, good. Good. <laughs> he, I, it made me so mad. These, and, and, it's, then, and it's not even necessarily that it's because it's a crime against a woman. I would feel this passionate if it was a crime against a man. Anyone. And, and it was, it like they were done wrong by the justice system. Anyone who has the the just the balls to be like, yep, this guy murdered their power in such a horrible way. Yeah, this guy murdered someone, but he feels real sorry, and it ruined. You know, murdering that person ruined his life. Good that person is dead. They're Good. dead. There, I don't care. Last if his life I, knew, is, I hope his life is ruined. A dead body can't ruin your life. You ruined your own effing life. Yeah, like you made that decision. You granted, even if you had a mental illness, which they apparently chalked up as a no, um, yeah. you you can say whatever you want. I, just like I'm sorry, it's like anybody who carries openly carries, you take that risk of ever having to use that. You take that risk. You make that decision well, because you were the one legally. Yep, he had an illegal gun. He shot yep. her, and then the like. The, the, him murdering her is 100% the worst part about this case but that judge being like yep. anyone who's like oh his life was ruined he she's dead she's he dead. chose this he, he chose she, this I don't care if his life is ruined I don't care yep. if he made the choice she's dead Yep. you don't get to feel sorry for yourself nope. and your life being ruined you killed you you she doesn't even have the option to feel sorry about her life now because yep. there isn't a life to feel sorry about. She's dead. And, and if you have to pay for that. And if, if it, it is true that she would she did scream, 
that even makes it more disgusting because you could have easily stopped. You knew who that was at that point if she did scream after the first shot. He couldn't, though, because then if he shot her and they were in the middle of a fight and she lives, she can be like, that's attempted murder now. I'm just saying he could have. have You can't use it as a, oh, you know, I didn't know. But if you did know and you continue, then you are a murderer. You're you've got her blood on your hands. Get over it. Yeah, I just that I was so hot when I read that. I was so mad. I'm like, how dare this judge be like, his life is ruined. Like, you don't deserve to be a judge because you're fucking dumb. That's how I feel. I hope you're supposed to be neutral, non-biased. That's very biased. Like, oh, poor him. His life is wrong. Yeah, well, whatever. I, I can't. I don't know what else to say to this. She is dead. And I don't care if his life is ru- – I hope his life is ruined. because I hope so, too. And I hope they do not allow him to see another day outside well, of Well, he's, he's up for parole. I hope that he doesn't get to get out. But, you know, it seems like they really want him to be out of jail. And uh, I don't know. So we'll keep you posted. Yes. Sorry if I made you as mad as I was at, at this case. And uh, I hope you guys make good choices and stay safe out there. Yes. Until yes. next time. Bye. Bye. I love me, 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 me